And, you know, at some point you may have to say, did you see anything on January 5th during the middle of the day that, you know, you thought was inappropriate? And he'd say, I don't don't still know what you're talking about. Okay. Did you hear someone say to another person, I'm going to beat you up if you don't do what I tell you to do? Did you hear that said? Okay. So ultimately, you you do need to get down to that finite detail possibly uh, because I, I, I... still think it's one of the most interesting concepts. And I always say, I wish I was a psychology major in undergrad where you tell someone again, or you ask them, tell me everything you heard or saw. And then later they say, well, he didn't ask me that, (laughs) you know? So sometimes you have to make very sure. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. In my corporate HR career and over the last two decades as an HR consultant and licensed private investigator, I've conducted hundreds of investigations, and I love it. Give me a handsy manager or someone who's stealing from the company, and I've got a good day ahead of me. But many HR professionals dread receiving a complaint that may necessitate an investigation. My guest today is Dan Stern. Dan's a board-certified labor and employment law attorney, advising and representing employers, and he's a member of the Dykema Law Firm in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today, Dan. Well, thank you, Mike. Uh, it's quite an honor. In fact, it, it's very humbling that you would include me today. I, I continue to be so excited about uh, trying to help HR professionals if, in any way I can. I've, I've come to enjoy all of it quite a bit. Well, I want to get into what makes for an effective investigation. But first, what do you think? Why do you think workplace investigations make HR people so nervous? Well, depending certainly on who's named as kind of, you know, as the alleged problem, uh, you know, if it's a member of management and they know the impact that it could have on the organization, uh, that the questions they ask, the documents they create could become, uh, you know, exhibits at trial. And I'm sure maybe you've done this too, talking to the HR, you know, practitioners and others say, well, you know, when you're writing something down, just envision it covering a wall at the county courthouse with a jury looking at it, asking, why did she write that? Why did he say that? Wow, I don't, I can't believe it. You know, it, it's uh, any of those kind of things, making that commitment that may become the, uh, the problem. And uh, quite frankly, they've got a lot of other things to do. And they know if they start digging into something, they may have to dig a whole lot deeper than they wish they, they had to. So, Let's say I'm sitting in my HR office one day and knock, 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 here comes somebody and they've got a complaint about a manager, let's say. At what point does a complaint justify an investigation? That's probably where we would start, I would guess, is do I really even need to do anything about this? Uh, how, do, how, do you, how do you weigh that? Well, that certainly becomes uh, part of the art of an investigation is just knowing when you have to start. Uh, There can certainly be a lot of issues that come to you and you realize that one, it's not that significant. You may be able to just explain to the person who has brought the issue to your attention. Here's why this happened. That's what, you know, what we need to do in response. 
Thank you for coming and talk to me uh, about it. If you think uh, there are other issues I should look into, please, please let me know. Uh, and certainly if it's, you know, my boss told me that I come to work late and I just don't think that's fair. Well, you know, as they say, life's not fair and the fair left town, all those other little cliches. Right. Uh, but then, you know, you get that employee who comes in and says, knock, knock, knock. You know, as you said, you know, you got a touchy feely manager. Uh, I, I just want I think it's important for you to know it didn't happen to me. Maybe it's how they bring it up. But I saw it happen. If you start getting into those issues that, you know, involve uh, potentially, you know, conduct that is potentially in violation of the law and really at a lower standard, your policies, uh, then, yeah, that's when you really know, boy, I got to I got to pay attention here and decide whether I need to do more than just find out these basic details and talk to whoever is you know being named. And if we need to get into witness interviews, does that need to be done? Uh, you know, really looking for, again, those kind of issues where, you know, if I don't address this or it doesn't, we don't really confirm or deny it, we're going to have a problem. Yeah. And my favorite ones are where they just knock on the door and say, I don't want you to do anything about yeah. this, but yeah. and they just pulled the pin on the hand grenade, threw it on your side of the yeah. HR desk, and they're let, let, going to leave you hanging there. But so, so, so you agree that we've really got to get clarity around what that issue is, right? When they're coming in, because often the issue isn't the issue and, and we have to start digging deeper. Uh, how do you, how, how would you go about that conversation? Well, one of the things we, we, we all do talk about in investigations and hopefully most HR people are, are prepared for these kind of conversations where you need to have some, uh, you know, social empathy. Right. And you need to know how to ask the questions. And I know I learned not that long ago about these trauma influenced questions, uh, you know, such that an employee comes to you and says, well, this has been going on for a long time. I'm going to say three years. And so I just want you, you know, you need to know that this manager, he rubs up against me. Uh, it's inappropriate. And so to ask, well, you know, why didn't you tell me a long time ago? Kind of puts that person on the defensive, to, uh, you know, to say, as opposed to, well, God, this is serious. What caused you to come to me today? Hmm. And certainly to get that person talking and feeling comfortable and get as much information as you can and talking about, you know, the HR in person, whether it's really the one who's already investigating, it can be so frustrating when they're not giving you many details and it's really vague. Uh, well, I heard it seems like everybody knows as opposed to on Thursday, he walked in, he came over and touched me on the back, rubbed me, you know, those kind of those kind of specifics. But trying to make that person who brings you the report really, again, to feel as, as comfortable as possible and assuring them that though you can't keep everything confidential, I mean, let's be honest about it and let's be transparent, but we're going to make every effort to do so. So the more information you give me, the better I'll be able to respond to your concern. And I think that's uh, that's important. So um, a lot of times somebody just wants to be that confidential informant, right? They and and they want that that promise from HR that uh, hey, I won't get dragged into this. I, you know, I I need my job. I don't want I don't want to get crossways with this manager. How should an HR professional respond to that? Uh, one of the things that too about you know what's what's difficult for HR people is one is certainly to remember to tell the employee 
okay, I, I am here to help you if you need help. But remember, we both work for the company. And ultimately, that's who we're both responsible to. I, I appreciate your concern and your need to feel that this has to be absolutely confidential. I'll be honest with you. I can't make a guarantee in that regard. I'm not going to use your name or, or give up specifics unless I feel that it is crucial or very necessary to the investigation. And so then it's kind of like, you know, you mentioned about throwing the grenade on you and then you get that person who gets that far along and then they pull back and say, well, OK, now now that you put it that way, well, I, I, I don't feel comfortable talking to you anymore. Yeah. So, then what do you, know, you do? Which way do you go from there? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. As an employer, I mean, let's say they gave you just enough information to know you you may have an issue, but they say, oh, I want to withdraw my complaint. Yeah. What, what are options there? Yeah. Good. You know, you, once they cross that line, uh, yeah, you know, it's kind of a, unfortunate for them, I guess. But once they bring it to your attention, uh, you are pretty much obligated to. Uh, but it's kind of like assessing, do I need to do an investigation? They may be bringing you a concern that is not that that level of seriousness where you think, oh, if this is true, we're in trouble. And so you can say, well, OK, I, I appreciate that. Uh, and so here's what we're going to do. You know, I'm going to write down you came and talked to me and that you asked me not to, to do anything about it right now. But you just wanted me to know. And I'm going to come visit you every now and then just to make sure you're still OK. Uh, but just and if you ever feel like this needs to go forward, you have to come talk to me. Now, do you advise employers to have a policy or something in the handbook that says employees have to cooperate with a workplace investigation? I, I have to admit I've written several uh, and I, I will continue to do so. Uh, I will, you know, have started to avoid saying, you know, that it's a major offense or, you know, one of those things where you list out what you get terminated for. Uh, because a lot of times if, if they think, okay, well, if I even kind of act like I know something and then I stop talking, I mean, I don't want it to look like I'm not cooperating, mm -hmm. that I'm in trouble. So they just default to, I, I don't know. I, they said I saw something. No, I, I don't. God, no, I, I didn't see anything. So certainly, maybe by uh, policy, we would try to encourage them uh, via, you know, the stick versus the carrot. Uh, but ultimately, that, that's going to be a hard rule to enforce, I believe. So let's say we, we think there's something credible here we need to look into. It's a violation of law or significant enough policy violation that we don't want to set a precedent that we're letting this person violate policy while we may terminate somebody else. And we need to do something about it. How do we decide who's the right party to investigate is, whether it's internal or an external? What are the factors in deciding how to, who's going to do this investigation? This is one of those issues you hope that uh, who the people who receive the complaints, and of course, it's not always going to be the HR department. Uh, but if we're going to put Frontline managers, for sure, in that position, they know immediately to punt it to someone else who can decide. But hopefully whoever, you know, kind of is the official recipient, ultimately, of the concern has already thought through, OK, well, if this is, you know, this this kind of uh, issue, then that's what I'm going to take on. That's my job. Uh, if it gets a little bit, uh, and certainly if there's a, an issue related to human resources, you know, we'll take it to you know, whoever that direct report may be and let them go to it. But certainly if you get up to, as they say, the C-suite level, I, I don't know how you don't go outside the company to have a, a third party resource to come in and do it. 
And two, if it if someone is coming up or a number of employees are coming and it sounds like you have a systemic problem, uh, you certainly should start looking at someone who is very well trained in investigations and someone who does not have any kind of you know personal interest at all, whether you know whether real or or uh, perceived. So let's say Joe Friday, our HR generalist, is going to get tasked to do this investigation. Uh, every situation is unique, and uh, but what would the first few steps look like if I'm going to do an investigation? What do I do first after somebody's come in and given me a verbal complaint? Yeah. Uh, determine, is this something you, you're confident or you're comfortable or you know that you can handle it yourself and you don't have to get approval at various levels? Uh, sir, as we mentioned earlier, talking to the person, bringing you the issue, getting as much detail there as you can, you know, ask for you know documentation if there is some. Uh, you know, that's always kind of one of those sort of nice little surprises, maybe at a mediation or a deposition where uh, the person who brought the complaint to you says, well, I mean, I had all these notes. I had a calendar. I told, you know, I had all these recordings. They just never asked me for it. Well, if you're like me, you know, if I say, tell me everything, you know, I'm kind of hoping they would give me everything, but that's not the way it necessarily works. So, you know, getting all the information you can, of course, identifying those witnesses uh, that you need to speak with. Uh, and I get asked this a lot, and usually I say, well, when do we talk to, you know, the, the accused? I usually last, somewhere close to the end, uh, because you want to get all the background details and confirmations and be able to ask, you know, all, all of the right questions there. But determining, again, you know, the order of interviews, if you need a particular order, sometimes it's just who's available because they all have general knowledge. What kind of what documents are you going to need to review? Are they available to whoever the investigator is? Do we need to make them available uh, if we're using a third party resource? Do we try to do it through counsel so we can hopefully have a, you know, a privileged investigation, making those determinations uh, up, up front? And this is difficult, but trying to establish a, a timeline. OK, we're going to have all the witnesses interviewed by such and such a date. We're going to have, you know, the final review of information with the uh, accused. And then if we need more, you know, all of those steps. And ultimately, here's where we're going to have uh, the final whatever you want to call it. If it's a report, it's a summary, uh, you have to make that decision at some point too. And that may be one of the things we talk about a little bit later uh, is, are we just summarizing what we learned and giving it to someone else to make the decision? Uh, are we making a recommendation uh, that, and so I don't forget to say this, please never come to a legal conclusion. You know, Dan Stern harassed Mike Coffey on multiple occasions. Please don't say that. Coffee because, had it coming, but yeah. <laughs> you know how do, how do we undo our determination that uh, someone violated the law in our company? Contrary to policy, against company standards, use something like that. That that's where we want to want to end up. So that complainant comes in and gives me a verbal. I'm curious what your opinion. My preference is it was always that I have the, I have them sit down, we talk through it, and then I have them write down the elements of their complaint. Uh, I like that, but tell me, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, in a, in a, I don't want to say perfect world, but in a preferred world, yes, having them write it out uh, is the best uh, way to to go about it. Uh, and, but, it, you know, I, I would not force anyone. Right. 
and I would certainly uh, advise anyone against doing so when it starts to look coerced. Uh, but if they do not want to put it in writing, you sit down, you take the notes. I hope, you know, maybe there's a witness there, hopefully, and maybe they take the notes. Someone writes it down, shows it to the person who, who said, was bringing the report. Please read that. Make sure it's correct. Change anything you want. Correct anything you want. Add anything you want. But then sign it at the end just to confirm this is what you told me. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 14 and enter the keyword STERN. That's S-T-E-R-N. On Thursday, December 2nd, I'll be hosting a free webinar entitled Seven Steps to Making Bulletproof Hiring Decisions. This free webinar is approved for one professional development credit for HRCI and SHRM certified professionals. You can register for this free webinar at imperativeinfo.com. And if you're listening to this program after December 2nd, you can still watch the recording of the webinar as well as our previous webinars on our website for credit for free. And now back to my conversation with Dan Stern. And you mentioned having a witness in the room, especially in those situations where you've got an allegation of some sort of gender bias or misbehavior related to people of different sexes, orientations or whatever. Um, do you recommend that we, that we even pay attention to the gender of the investigator as we go into those, those kind of uh, investigations or, or just at least at the, that the, if we've got a, a, a witness that they, they be a different, uh, be of the, you know, whatever gender, or does that even, is that, or is our gender so confused now and so many, so many different options that it, it's almost impossible. Uh, I believe, and I have to admit this on a recording, I do consider the gender very okay. much. I also, you know, will consider age, at times, okay. uh, how young is the person that we're going to have to talk to or who's the one who's come in and brought the issue to, toward us? Or does this person uh, that has some either come individually or someone on that person's behalf have special needs? So are we going to allow them to bring someone with them? You know, I used to say absolutely positively, the interviewee, the reporting party, the accused never gets to have a representative. We just don't want to start that. I have uh, softened as I've gotten older and realized that, that nothing is absolute, and, and that's one of those uh, very much situations. But, yes, I, I do consider uh, the, the protected characteristics of uh, certainly either the uh, reporting party uh, or the accused because – uh, you know, we have to be realistic about this and we want to get all the information in the, that we can. And so we may need to establish that that comfort level. Now, I think right now the NRLB's uh, position is that employees don't have a right to a witness uh, of their choice in, in these kind of uh, in, in investigations. But that may well change. Is that is that what's going on right now, or is there? Uh, and I and I've, I can't remember the name of the the decision that that that's referred to as, but yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I don't remember it either right now. The so and so rights, uh, yeah. yeah, under the yeah. National Labor Relations Act. But right. uh, yeah, it is. It is currently at the status is that uh, employees may not insist unless they have they are a union, part of a union, and have a collective bargaining agreement saying so. Non-union employees do not have the right to insist upon uh, someone being in on the interview. And and certainly the employee's parents don't have a right to be there. And that's I, you know I, I first had that happen. 25 plus years ago. And I, and it was a really one-off weird thing that nobody had ever heard of. And now I talk to HR folks all the time who, as soon as the parents get whiffed that their kids getting investigated, uh, they want, they want to be there or they, you know, and this may be a 30 year old kid and, and they, or they want their attorneys there and they don't have a right, even if it's uh, an internal investigation for, you know, something that's a violation of law, they, they don't still have a right to have an, an attorney present while HR is doing the investigation. Is that right? That is correct. I mean, uh, you know, it's up to the person being interviewed to know this, but, you know, they may feel, for example, they're being questioned about criminal conduct and they think, oh, gosh, uh, they're, they're not, they should be looking at me and I don't know what to say. So obviously they could plead the fifth, not that that would be necessary. Just say, you know, I'm just not going to answer that question. Uh, but no, they uh, one of the things we will allow at times, though, is say no one's going to come in. Uh, but at some point, if you want to take a break, and you want to call and talk to your attorney or get some advice from your mama or your daddy, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll let you do that. But they're not going to be in here while we talk about it. So we've got our list of, of you know, we understand our issue we, and we've kind of got a plan. We've got a list of people we should talk to. Um, other than people with direct knowledge, um, what about other other sources of information? You know, right now, IT would be, a, you know, is often one of the first things I think of. You know, do we have emails and, and, and computer files, uh, you know, maybe accounting, depending on the allegation? Uh, how do you bring those kind of other people who aren't directly involved into the investigation in a way that kind of represents or respects the uh, everyone else's privacy? Yeah, great question. Uh, you could do it by saying, OK, I need information on these five employees. And the one we're interested in is embedded in there, right? Okay. Uh, so that we don't make it clear that we're targeting a, a particular person. Uh, or, you know, say, okay, here's a time frame. Look for comments like this or emails that have this kind of information, text messages, however they do it. The tech guys, you know, they're the wizards for, that we count on to figure that out. But, you know, trying to look like we're looking at a broader picture than just directly at that one particular person. Uh, that usually what I see with, with, the, with our, our clients is they just threaten the IT person with severe injury if they break the confidentiality, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, it, you would hope your it people have an understanding of right. they get the keys to the kingdom. Otherwise, um, when we're, we collect this information, uh, or let's say it's it. Cause another thing I think comes up, if we, what is the responsibility of the employer early in the investigation, especially if it, if we think this may result in either some sort of criminal liability or civil liability, or there may be some, uh, could result in a court case to protect data and evidence that may be just on a schedule that you know where it's where it gets you know expunged or deleted or uh, you know over some period of time. Do we have a responsibility early on to freeze all that data, or do we need to wait till we get further down the road? 
Yeah. Uh, again, another one of those decisions that you, you have to make that realizing that if you say, okay, well, I don't know how serious this is going to get. So we're going to suspend, you know, our destruction or, or termination or uh, allowing things to be erased schedule, you know, our record retention record schedule, uh, because we don't know where this is going to go. Well, what, then you set that precedent and, you know, it's not, we always worry about how do we counsel someone because it's going to set a precedent. Same thing on making these kind of decisions. Uh, I would not, you know, default to that really early. Uh, now, if someone came in and said, you know, something happened a year ago, it's been ongoing, you know, where we look like we have something that may go back in time. Uh, yeah, we may need to be a, a little more uh, concentrated on making sure that not everything drops off off the back end to make it look like we are allowed that to happen. But if the concerns are much more immediate, uh, it happened yesterday within the last month then, you know, let's, let's make sure we know where this is going to go before we start uh, acting out of the ordinary. So we've got our list of witnesses, and you said you prefer to talk to the, uh, the person against whom the allegations were made later in the process. Do you, do you at least give them a heads up that, hey, this is what's going on, and we're going to do this in a way to, you know, protect everybody's, you know, privacy to the extent that we can? But you just, you know, we want you to know this is happening and we will get to you and talk to you after we've gathered more information. Or do you just kind of hope, hope nobody goes to them, you know, in the break room and says, hey, you know what I heard? <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we all know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and so ultimately and definitely if you're you got to if you have a member of management who can affect terms and conditions of employment, you go to them and, you know, with the, with the you know, the company line uh, this is we're investigating a concern raised about you and you better not do anything that looks retaliatory and you will get your chance you know because we will ultimately talk to you about it uh, but if it's a even if it's a co-worker it's probably worthwhile uh, to do that I mean there may be circumstances that we really don't want them uh, to know that anything is going on because we have such a concern for retaliation or intimidation that we feel the need to take that person out of the workplace, cut off their access uh, to the systems and everything else, advise them that if they contact anyone, they're going to be terminated just to make sure that we get all the information without anyone. And we can honestly say, uh, well, you know, we're conducting this, you know, investigation and the person that's, you know, been named is not in the workplace. And we want to know if you are contacted by this person, which is kind of unfortunate. We have to name the accused. Uh, but if we're again, if it's that level of concern about retaliation and intimidation, we, you know, we have to do that. So we've got our list of witnesses. Um, Let's talk about how those, you know, how those interviews go. Um, what, you know, how much information, and it probably varies from, I know it varies from situation to situation, but how open, how targeted are you with the questions versus open-ended around, you know, you know, what have you seen around the office of this kind of general nature versus did you see Joe do this on Thursday? How do you balance those? Yeah, you, you know, you usually start with the very broadly worded questions. Uh, have you felt that, you know, you've been intimidated, harassed, discriminated against? Have you seen anyone else? You know, these things have happened to. Uh, and then you kind of start to, to drill down if they say, well, yes. 
okay, what have you seen? <laughs> you know, and what are the details and how often did that happen? When, where, and why? And, you know, at some point you may have to say, did you see anything on January 5th during the middle of the day that, you know, you thought was inappropriate? And you say, I don't, I don't, I don't still know what you're talking about. Okay. Did you hear someone say to another person, I'm going to beat you up if you don't do what I tell you to do? Did you hear that said? Okay. So ultimately you, you do need to get down to that finite detail possibly, uh, because I, I, I still think it's one of the most interesting concepts. And I always say, I wish I was a psychology major in undergrad where you tell someone again, or you ask them, tell me everything you heard or saw. And then later they say, well, he didn't ask me that, <laughs> you know? So sometimes you have to make very sure and so, and two, when you hear something possibly that is not consistent with what you've heard before from others, you know, you may want to say, okay, let me, let me make sure I heard you correctly. You walked into the room and you saw Dan push somebody else. That's the first thing you saw. Okay. You know, some details, just make sure that they are going to stick with their story. And then we collect that information and this is just a 30 minute podcast. So we can't go through your full, you know, hour presentation, but we collect our information. Now we want to go talk to the accused party. Um, and let's say our information really is pretty strong that the accused party is, is the dirty dog he's alleged to be. Um, how, how not fair, but how accusatory or direct should we be? Or is it just more of, Hey, you know, these are the allegations. Tell me what's going on. What you, what, you know, what your experience was here or, or just do you remember having a conversation with Joe on this day? Yeah, I think you usually start with, you know, the general allegations are, what do you have to say about that? Oh, you deny it all. Okay. Well, I've talked to three different people and, and I've heard this story uh, that this is what happened in, in that, that sequence. It, so do you remember any of that? Do you remember walking into there? Do you remember saying to Sally, what you're going to do to her. Do you remember this, that, you know, and, and you get down there. Usually if they're starting to die, if whoever it is, is denying and you have really, you know, good, credible information, you start to, you know, you probably start to drill down uh, pretty quickly. Uh, if they are answering your general questions in a way where it sounds plausible and credible that, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I mean, I, I may have bumped into them because, you know, I'm usually kind of scatterbrained and this and that. Then you, you know, may want to kind of still keep them talking and not being too direct where then they may close down on you and you don't get any information at all, which just to kind of answer maybe another question, you know, sometimes if you have such good information, I don't want to say you're going through the motions by talking to the accused, uh, but you always do give them that opportunity. But if they're evasive and they say, well, I, you know, I can't remember, or I, I'm nearly not going to talk about that. So at some point say, that's fine. You get to make that decision, but we're going to make the decision, our decision based on what we heard and what information we gathered. So let's say we get to that point and, um, you mentioned it earlier. Are we are we going to make a recommendation to management, or are we just going to tell management, "Here's what, here's the information we found. Here's what th these witnesses said. This is what the accused party said," and and just you know, who who gets to make those kind of decisions? Does it just vary any in the organization, or how does that happen? Uh, let's say you're using well, you either you've retained a third party source 
or you are dealing with counsel as you go through the investigation. Yeah, I'd get that advice from counsel. You know, what do you what kind of, what do you think we should do here? Do we is it a summary or is it a recommendation? Uh, or is it a finding? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're in the academic environment, as I understand it, you pretty much have to make a finding. Uh, you know, that's pretty much what the you know what the standard is. Uh, but who makes that decision? If the investigator, you know, is charged with the authority to to handle it in the way they think is proper, you know, they they may look at it and think, and this is reality too. Just for you HR people who may be watching, you do have to think. Okay, if I tell the boss. Dan's got to be fired. Is Dan going to be fired? Or do we know Dan's not going to be fired? <laughs> and if we know our recommendation is not going to be followed, we probably should back up to a summary uh, and have a, you know, a one-on-one discussion, you know, a discussion with the, the other people who have to be involved in the decision. Right. And then um, ultimately when, let's say we get to the position where, uh, Whoever the powers that be agree that we yeah, it's time to to terminate this guy. Um, and I don't know why I'm picking on men. I just I just feel like all the, <laughs> all the bad actors are men these days. <laughs> um, but the um, but yeah, he's got to go, uh, or, or we're going to take whatever action it is. Um, what do we do to circle back with uh, the the complainant? How much information do they get? about what what our remedial action is or what the outcome of the investigation was generally, even if if, if we didn't find uh, fault. Yeah. Be as specific, but as vague as possible. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so, the value of your law degree right there, yeah. right? <laughs> now, this is why people don't like lawyers. So that's a great answer. That doesn't tell me anything at all. Uh, well, let's say we terminated someone. And so we go back to the accused and say, you will no longer one response could be, you will no longer have to work with that individual. Mm-hmm. Oh, you fired him. It's a personnel issue. Can't discuss it. You're not going to have to work with that person. We can't prove it one way or the other. What may have happened? He said, she said, she said, he said, she said, she said, he said, he said, you know, that whole, well, you go back to the person I, I would suggest and say, you know, we've investigated. I, I promise you, we investigated it thoroughly. We couldn't corroborate it. We couldn't find that it was not true. So please be confident that we took appropriate action, and whether that's reminding the person of all the policies, also telling them if this we find out this is true, you know, it's you know what's going to happen to that person. But going back to the uh, reporting party, letting them know that you did respond and uh, that some action was taken, and then follow up with that person in kind of a you know preferred world on some periodic basis saying, okay, is everything still okay? Uh, did anything else happen like you brought to my attention? Because I really do want to take care of it if, the, if that is the problem. And we're almost out of time. So one last question. What do you think the biggest mistake employers make uh, when they're conducting investigations? Uh, rushing to an assumption. You know, uh, you know this employee is, is a complainer, a whiner, always has been seems like always will be they come with an issue and you're like here we go again you know i i okay i promise i'll investigate and you know you 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 don't do it very effectively if you do it at all uh or you know you talk to witnesses and they tell you something and you believe i've never really thought that person was very credible so i'm you know i'm not gonna look into that uh and and or you know you look at the accused and and you think oh i know that's true 
I know that person did that. And so making those assumptions without, you know, without being as objective as possible, we all have our own personal biases and influences and all of those things. uh, But you really have to be as objective as possible. And that's all the time we have today. Thank you for being with us today, Dan. Hey, call me anytime. We can talk about this all day. And thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guests at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rod Upchurch, Rob Upchurch is our technical producer and imperatives marketing coordinator. Katie Bautista keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, keep your chin up.